points, let's go, it's the fantasy points, ain't no raggedy joint, they mad at me scoring points, but then they glad that they join, one for the money, two bars on the show, the boys stay ready, swamp rats, let's go. Yo, welcome back to the two bars podcast, I am the first bar, Graham Barfield, joined with the second bar, Scott Barrett, for a little Midweek podcast, training camp has started, and uh, I think this is like the perfect time to really dive into like all the, the layover injury situations, all of the, the guys uh, that are coming into training camp, nursing injuries. We just had a, you know, two brutal injuries, obviously, before camp even started. So who better to bring in for that type of podcast than the great doctor, the great doctor Edwin Porras is with us tonight. Edwin, how you doing, man? Dude, I'm doing well. It's uh, always sort of inception-y when I listen to you guys and then I'm on with you guys. So sometimes if you catch me like sleeping, just listening, it's because sometimes my brain just turns off and I think I'm listening, but really I should be participating. That's what's going on. If you're... The, I also had a question. Yeah. You had your list of top, the top, you know, white rappers, Graham. They were trash. Yeah, they were, they were so bad. Um, so I'm just wondering if you listen to rap, if you've ever heard a rap song or Scott and I are in the, in the, uh, the biggie division in the oh scott fishbowl so i'm just are you more like a mumford and sons guy are you like imagine dragons guy i don't know just tell me about your musical taste you imagine dragons uh no i listen to about everything man um i go through these phases like right now i'm in like a deftones phase so i've been like uh listen to like i don't know the latest deftones album is really good but i don't know i listen to pretty much everything except for like edm like that's kind of you're listening explosions in the sky oh yeah Oh yeah, Explosions in the Sky was like I started listening to them in college. That was like one of the first bands I listened to for writing to get like focused and shit. Yeah, Explosions in the Sky is good. Scott, yeah. I did. I was shocked to learn that you were in the Biggie division with me. Also shocked to learn that um, Al's also in that division with us. So I was I didn't take you as a Biggie guy. I thought you were like a big country guy. I thought you were like Luke Bryan. I don't know. You give me Luke <laughs> Bryan. Vibes. Oh, Luke uh, Bryan. Blake oh. Shelton. I don't know. You just kind of like Hunter. What's his name? Hunter Hayes. You sort of give me those vibes, Scott. Yeah, I, I legitimately hate country music. Uh, can't listen to it. I didn't like. I thought I didn't like music until the first time I heard Biggie, and then I was like, "Oh, music's great. I love music." Just <laughs> Biggie, standard. Biggie standard. changed my life. I know I could do like almost any rap song uh, word for word, unless it's from like duets or one of those trash albums. Yeah, a uh, story to tell is the greatest rap oh, song. Oh, it's the greatest. Time. It's the best. It's the best. Uh, and it's a true story. I, I forget who it was, but uh, I think Fat Joe or someone outed who the actual Who Nick the actual Spino Nick was. was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Damn, now I'm going to Google this once we're done. i got to figure that out. I've always wondered that I'll too. What, what if it was Ewing? That'd be kind of badass no, no. if it was Ewing in the 90s. <laughs> it was about Anthony... Uh, the the announced it on Dan Lebetard show. Yeah. Uh, I'll pull it up. Do you guys listen to Dan Lebetard show? No, I I did I did back when he was at ESPN. I haven't since he's moved. Anthony Mason. Anthony Mason. That name doesn't ring a bell. No, neither. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry guys, I got us off the rails no. there. No, this is a we'll turn this into a music podcast. But... <laughs> who is who is the Anthony Mason of of fantasy running backs? Is is Who's who's about to get cucked? No, what do you think, Ch- Scott? I think Ch- we Chase want your Edmonds is about to get cucked by James Conner. He's going to be the RB one. 
Well, Melvin Gordon's already been cucked, so. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. He's, he's the perfect example. Nope, Melvin Gordon's about to be cucked. The he's Anthony Mason of fantasy running backs. Yeah. Well, we're definitely, we got to sneak that into an article now, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody will have any idea what it's, it's about. Hashtag it'll, swamp rats. <laughs> exactly. Nobody will know what it's about, but it'll make you and I laugh. So that's all that matters. Um, all right. So speaking of things that doesn't make us laugh is the, the Cam Makers injury, man. What a brutal, brutal game. Yeah. Like before, before we even get to camp, Akers blows out his Achilles uh, training uh, for training camp. So, First question off the bat, man, is like, is there any precedent for a running back this young coming back and getting back into form, like, you know, off of a, a very early career Achilles tear? Yeah, there aren't any comps. There's no precedent. And it's precedents are important. And I know fantasy players love comps. That's like the number one thing I think every fantasy player can agree on is that comps are, if you can get a comp, because okay. it helps our, our brain wrap around like what we're looking at. Yeah. But it's important to know that like at the end of the day, when it comes to like, if you look at it scientifically, it's just a case study. It's just, what's like the lowest level of evidence. It's one, one time that it happened. Mm -hmm. But since we do like the case studies and we do like sort of comps, uh, Mike, I don't know how to say his name, Michael. I think it's just Michael Ashore. I don't know if yeah, you remember. Yeah. Michael Ashore. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah yep. So Torres Achilles explosiveness was zapped. He still came back and was productive. He was okay. Um, but that's the closest comp we can think of for cam makers. Yeah. So there's a systematic review that cited 15 other studies. The average age of the players, the NFL players in that study was uh, about 28. So yeah, it's not great data. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't really fit the category. But physiologically, when you when you sort of map it with the science, it makes sense that their that their careers sort of were zapped mm -hmm. because the tendon never remodels the same. And I think that's important for people, people to understand. It's not just like an ACL. Like the ACL, the ligament becomes a part of your body eventually. But the tendon never remodels and is the same. So it's hard to press press off. It's hard to jump, hard to cut. Um, some dudes like even feel like they're just stuck in their like trapped in their body because they know the cut they need to make and they just can't make it quickly enough. So there's a lot that goes into the rehab. The tendon's never the same. So moral of the story, it's not good form to just assume, oh, Cam Akers is going to be back. This is like an ACL tear. Yeah, uh, I think the best, like especially in Dynasty, the best option right now is just to hold him because there's a chance he can come back and still contribute. But I think whatever you thought Cam Akers' ceiling is, it's it's highly unlikely he's going to come back and hit that. That doesn't mean he still can't be productive, though. Damn. Yeah, well, we started this podcast out on a great note. Uh, we started talking about, about music, and then we brought it immediately back down with this uh, this news. But yeah, man, I like I I think I partially tore my Achilles in college playing basketball. I was going up for a rebound, just playing with some buddies and I literally couldn't walk for like weeks. Um, and I'm washed. Like my athletic ability is, is not, not even remotely. It's not even like 1% of K makers. Um, and I like go out golfing or whatever. And I still feel like the back, you know, backside of my right foot or like my like plantar fascia still get, you know, get tight. So I can only imagine what it's like for, you know, for a back. And this isn't like an Eric Fisher situation where, you know, F Eric Fisher's coming off of Achilles. He plays offensive line and he doesn't you know, rely on that explosiveness. It's really, you know, you know, quad and ass strength and then upper body strength for linemen. So yeah, just brutal for, for acres, man. Um, Scott and I did the, the Rams franchise focus podcast. So if you want to hear our thoughts on the whole Darrell Henderson and, and Cam Akers debacle, so go, uh, go check that out. But yeah, I'm with you on Acres, man. Uh, Scott, what are you doing with Acres and Dynasty? Because I know you were pretty high on him too. Yeah, despite my love for Acres, I don't think I ended up with a single Dynasty share. But yeah, I mean, 
this, the track record on this injury is not good. It's very scary. I, I probably would be looking to get out of it, but uh, I mean, what, what are you even getting for Cam Akers these days? Like a round two? Yeah. Um, You'd have to sell super, super low. I know you tried to trade. Back. Yeah. Yeah. You tried to trade for Akers in our uh, fantasy points dynasty league with the staff. You sent me a little, I think it was like Keenan Allen and a pick. I declined Ooh. it. And uh, yeah, now Ooh. I should have. You, you, you see me roster baiting over my team a couple of days ago. That's all you do. That's all you do is roster bait. <laughs> I mean, I just have roster bait worthy rosters. That's what I do. <laughs> well, conversation we had earlier. You're not doing any other kind of. Uh, anyway, <laughs> continuing on. With I, the I need to go on a on a, uh, a no fat for for roster baiting. <laughs> yeah, that's the one you really need to do. No fat November for roster baiting when your team's 10 and one and you're about to go in the playoffs. There you go. Get ready for zero dark 30 like LeBron. We need to have Edwin on more often. He brings out the best in us. I agree. Or the worst. Probably the worst. No, it's always the best. Every, every time we do a show, Edwin, it's always, it's always the best. We did a show. Remember that uh, Sunday's live stream? I think it was me, you and Tom. Yeah. It was like week 16. And we were all just like sick of it. And you were the only one like bringing energy. And <laughs> that was great. <laughs> we, we needed you that day. You were the MVP that day. You can always count on the fact that I give a shit way more. No offense to the subscribers. I try really hard. I promise. I always do my best. And this is fun for me. And I try hard. I give a shit way more about like my actual real patients getting better and like my yeah. craft than I do about like, oh man, I only was right about like three guys this week. Like that's, yeah. so it's a lot easier for me to just like chill when I talk about this stuff. Yeah. I think more yeah, stakes. shows. Yeah, it shows for sure, especially like when you're giving your your analysis and stuff too. And that's why I appreciate like you because, um, you know, you come at this from like an injury perspective, first, second, third, and the fantasy perspective comes fourth. So I always appreciate like that unbiased analysis because some of the injured people, no offense to them. I mean, they, they play, they, they think of it from a fantasy lens first and then an injury perspective second. So I always appreciate that. But uh, yeah, so not great for Akers, not great dynasty. Um, if you drafted early in best ball, which I know a lot of our listeners did and had a lot of acres, just a brutal blow. There's really no ways, uh, no two ways about it. Another brutal blow we had was Michael Thomas. Um, Scott and I've talked about this a bunch off air. Edwin, you and I've talked about this a bit off air too. The whole timeline is just bizarre. Um, if you want Edwin, man, just, just kind of like lay it out from the beginning um, starting with, you know, January, February this past year. Yeah. So the injury never changed. He had a deltoid rupture, which essentially amounts to a high ankle sprain. Plus, uh, the, the toughest, broadest, strongest ligament on the inside of the ankle was ruptured to the point where it needed surgery. There was really nothing else you could do. The high ankle, eh, you can pair those. Um, but really it's a deltoid that, that was the issue, the deltoid ligament. So what happened was according to Nick Underhill, what happened is he went to a, a specialist in January. The specialist said, hey, you can probably rehab this. Let's try that. Allegedly, and I, this is where you don't, we don't know any more of the details. He just didn't go back. And then he came, he reported to minicamp and the team docs were like, dude, what the hell? Like this needs surgery now. So nobody knows why. Nobody knows. Nobody understands what went into that decision. None of us know. But now he's on, he's on the, the mend for at least the next like six to eight weeks um, there's a study done on professional soccer players, uh, done in the, in the Netherlands where that had this exact specific issue that Michael Thomas had. What they found was that after, uh, the surgery, they were able to get back to rehabbing like sports specific stuff in about five weeks. Uh, but the, the standard deviation was about 12 days. So it could be a little under four to six weeks or so or so. Um, and then the return to training. So like 
practice strength and conditioning and stuff. The average was 72 days with a standard deviation of 28. And then returning to games, this, the average was 103 days plus or minus 28 days. So really it lines up with that timeline that, that Nick reported. Um, it's going to be probably somewhere between 12 to 16 weeks before we see him. And that's obviously based from June surgery in June and then extending it out that way. So that would be roughly, if I remember correctly, that's like week four or five-ish um, that we're looking at for Michael Thomas. It could be earlier. It could be after. Um, this is a super volatile decision. What I've been saying is that like, if he's not a guy that you're going to take at this point for safety, but I do think that he could end up winning a lot of leagues for people that like, especially in leagues that don't have an IR slot and he's like maybe mm-hmm. floating on the waiver wire. People get tired of him because he's not going to have his sea legs under him until at least the middle of the season. Um, especially after a big injury like this. So I think that he could contribute, but it's going to be, it's, he's not like a slam dunk. I would definitely not right. be taking Michael Thomas as like a quote, quote unquote safe pick right now. Right. Yeah. So, you know, the timeline is at best week four and then probably like at worst week eight, you know, this is now, you know, the second year of this injury, you know, who's to say that he's just going to take it super, super slow. And as he should, I mean, just to project, you know, protect his longevity, I guess that would be my concern is that, you know, let's say the Saints, you know, let's say the Saints start up like five and one and they just don't really need Thomas. You know, they could wait it out and just, you know, hope he's back close to 100% by the playoffs. So there's a lot of, of moving parts with this. Um, Scott, I know you were really high on Thomas before the injury. Um, I know he was like one of your, you know, upside wins championship guys and, um, I was with you. I just got really lucky where I ended up not drafting a bunch of Michael Thomas. I have a bunch of like Keenan Allen and A-Rob. Um, now, obviously, he's fallen out of the, you know, he's fallen completely out of that third, fourth, fifth, sixth round tier. Where where would you take him right now if you were on the clock? Yeah, no, 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 no. I, I pulled him from that article on time. No, I know. Before, before <laughs> Thankfully. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we got the news from Adam Schefter in February that he was going to get the surgery and yeah, Edwin said this, all of the injury experts said this. It's like, it was a miracle at all he was on the field last year. And so if he gets this surgery in February, like everyone's expecting, he should be all systems go, in which case he's to me, you know, massive upside. There's no other viable receivers on that team. Taysom targeted the heck out of him. Uh, Jameis, we saw him support two top five wide receivers by fantasy points per game the last time he was a starter. Uh, but yeah, now I, I actually took him uh, a couple of days ago in an FFPC league. I didn't expect to go that route, but I got him at the seven, eight turn, which I thought was fine value for yeah. a top heavy uh, tournament style league where, you know, it really comes down to winning the bonus rounds in the, the weeks, you know, 15, 16, 17, where first place pays out 50 times what 10th place pays out. So, um, and you're competing against thousands of other teams. So I think that makes sense. But yeah, in a typical, uh, you know, home league, 12 team, I was talking to Scott Pianowski about this, like why people get this wrong all the time, you know, injury optimism, it always backfires. Like we saw with AJ Green a few years ago. Oh, he'll be back by week four. Oh, no, no, never mind. Week eight. No, no, no. Never mean he's he's out the whole year or they'll come back and you don't know if you could start them the first week. You don't know if they're a decoy, they're on a pitch count. And so that tends to backfire a lot. I rather than just, oh, chase the upside. This guy's a stud if he's healthy and I'm getting him as a wide receiver three. Uh, I do think, you know, you have to factor all that in the, the specific format. 
he, he's a tricky one. He, and, yeah. and what does this mean for the rest of the New Orleans offense? Like, is Trout God going to be a thing? The Trout God, Adam Troutman, uh, d- what does this mean for Alvin Kamara? Last year, Alvin Kamara averaged over 30 fantasy points per game without Michael Thomas. And then does this mean New Orleans starts Taysom Hill week one? Because why not? If you have the crappy receiving core that New Orleans has, why wouldn't you start the you know mobile quarterback who can do more mm-hmm. with his legs than through his arms? So uh, just a really interesting situation overall. Yeah, I think you you hit the nail on the head. If you're going to draft Michael Thomas, it's a format and and game specific, like a specific question because like your the FFPC is the football uh, football guys championship, right? Are you playing there? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. So yeah, that makes a ton of sense because you also have access to the waiver wire. So you've got you know a top heavy payout plus waiver wire. I don't know. I, I've gone back and forth on this too because like. You know, the thing with A.J. Green a couple years ago is you weren't really getting a discount. If I remember correctly, he was like a fifth, sixth-round pick. Uh, Doug Baldwin uh, also, we went through the same thing with Baldwin where it was like, um, you know, I think it was like the 2017 season. It was the end of his career. And, um, yeah, I mean, you weren't getting the discount there either, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth round. Uh, with Thomas, I think I think you're going to get that discount. I think people are going to wisen up, and he's going to fall into like the seventh and eighth round. Um, and even in like a home league, man, I think especially if it's not a sharp home league, you can just stash Thomas on the bench. Yeah, oh, dude, yeah, uh, I'm stashing him everywhere I can. I'm yeah. I, and I love him in like high var- like you were saying, Scott, like high variance tournaments and shit like that, where you really need yeah. to, where you really need to differentiate yourself and just have like high upside plays. I definitely think he's worth that. I think I think that's where I'm like would be the most comfortable taking it this year. Uh, this is also a really good, really good time to buy as low as possible on on uh, on Michael Thomas and Dynasty. Yeah, agreed. Like, you know, especially if a team's rebuilding. I've got a couple Mike T- Michael Thomas teams um, in Dynasty. One of which I got to rebuild. The other one's a competitor. I'm going to hold on. Um, but yeah, I think I think if you're if you're in that mix, top three, top four mix, this is a really good time to to try and get some uh, get some cheaper Michael Thomas. Um. All right, let's move on to some more positive news. Um, Edwin, you have been like effusive that Saquon Barkley is going to be close to 100%, if not 100% by week one. Uh, There's a video that went out, I think it was on his Instagram page, where he's like taking a, a swing with a, he was taking a golf swing with oh him, like God, a simulator. Yeah, it so uh, yeah, yeah, it looked good. It looked like he had, <laughs> he had no surgery. Um, how many times did you watch that video on repeat? Um, by myself or in public? I watched it several <laughs> times. I watched it several. I'm just kidding. No, um, yeah. So the deal on Saquon, man, the the timelines on him, and I understand like the community at large is like nervous. Oh, ACLs don't perform well after the fact. Yes, there's some data to show that functional outcomes are better 18 months compared to 12 months. We get that. The thing is that doesn't account just like the data. So the data works both ways when it comes to the, to the medicine and the science, just like the data doesn't account for cam acres population, his demographic, when it comes to the Achilles tears, none of the data that we're pulling for ACLs and Saquon Barkley applies to Saquon Barkley. He's more athletic than Adrian Peterson. He's like 22, 23 when he actually tore the ACL, he's got just incredible uh, athleticism, stamina, now, the thing about it is he's going to be another he's going to be 10 months and 12 days. He had a very minimal meniscus issue. They just were able to suture it up. He had prehab for a month before he even had surgery. He, he he's like he's obviously elite in terms of like his draft capital. Everything about him screams to me anyway, 
screams like this is you're getting a discount if he's falling to 1.07 like you're getting a discount yeah the flip side is that the giants are one of the least sharp organizations in the entire <laughs> nfl so here's from ryan dunleavy who tweeted this just today or yesterday maybe um this is what he said my understanding from sources last week is that saquon barkley considers himself ready to go medical ex- experts are telling him his recovery is on track or ahead of expectations but giants will go slow maybe not ramping him up until 10 days of camp to get week one ready so what that tells me is that the Giants are either just stupid because if you're if your medical experts, if your surgeons and your PTs and your athletic trainers are saying like, man, this guy looks good. He's hitting the minimum nine months that we would feel comfortable letting him go. He's a, he's even ahead of expectations, depending on what protocol you're doing. Like, I think this guy's ready to go. And Joe Judge and Getty are looking at them and going, hmm, nah, like the thing is, I was going to ask, do you really think that's happening? But like, there's a possibility that's happening because they're right. just not sharp. So yeah. it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what the science says. And it doesn't matter what I think about him as like an athlete and a, and a player. If the Giants are going to bring him along slowly, there's it doesn't matter. Like none of that matters. And the 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 thing is that he just comes at a price um, that that's so I feel like that's sort of baked in. Like we don't know if he's going to get a full workload. Do I think he could handle it? <laughs> Absolutely. Like I think they could unleash him and he'll be fine. But. You know, you also have to remember Joe Judge comes from the Bill Belichick coaching tree who, you know, everybody on literally I did this study. I stopped at like seven or eight teams because I just didn't think it was worth a lot of, you know, more time. Um, Bill Belichick in his tenure between 2016 and 2019 had legitimately every year he he had players listed on the injury report like a hundred more times than any other coach that was like consistent in their tenure. So that's a long way of saying I think Saquon's going to be fine. But I don't think that the Giants are very sharp, so we don't know what's going to happen. Right. Yeah, uh, th- those days, man, he would put Brady on the injury report if, if Brady, like, stubbed his toe. <laughs> um, yeah, man, I-, I think you nailed it, though. It's like you're getting that price baked in. Like, if you know, right now, um, in May and June, in basketball drafts I was doing, he was still consistently, like, fifth, sixth overall after, like, the big four. So that's CMC you know, Cook, Kamara, and Henry. Now he's slipping past Kelsey, slipping past Jonathan Taylor. He's going to start slipping past, uh, you know, Tyree Kill, Devontae Adams. I'm in a, I'm in a league right now. Um, I joined, like, I think it was like a $50 best ball 10 on the NFFC, and he went at the 112, which was just mind-blowing. I it's took getting Adams out of control. At, it's getting yeah, out I took, of control. I took, I, I took Adams at 1-9, full disclosure, just because I, I, God, I Devontae you, Adams should be a top six you. pick, not the Rodgers back, but... Yeah, man, I, I just, I, you know, people are, are really, really skittish and I, I'm kind of with you. I don't really think they should be. Um, I've, I've taken Barkley quite a bit uh, myself, but yeah, man, um, I guess the flip side of this is like Devontae Booker is a fantastic pick for basketball right now. No, I know it goes against your Barkley. I go, I know it gets against your Barkley hate, man, or your Barkley thing, but Booker, uh, you know, if they do bring Barkley on slowly for whatever reason, you know, Booker's going to get, he's going to get touches. And if Barkley, you know, strains a hamstring, they're going to, they're going to take it even slower with them. Yeah, I, I hear you. And there is that part of it too. Uh, 20%, this is and the whole Saquon breakdown is over at fantasypoints.com. I think it's free if you wanted to go check it out. Um, it free. But that is from since 2015, right? So this is the, when modern science is caught up to these ACLs, right? Since 2015, skill players specifically, uh, there's been about a 20% chance of a hamstring issue or, a, like a knee complication, like a swelling where they've been on the injury report doesn't necessarily imply they miss games. So basically what you're looking at is 
you know, think of everybody that tore their ACL. We can move on to these guys too. Cause I feel like we've hammered this enough. Sorry. Um, Saquon OBJ, Cortland Sutton, all those dudes who, who tore an ACL theoretically 20% of them are going to have some sort of knee complication or hamstring issue, but we just don't know who it's going to be. Like, there's no way to point that out. Um, bottom line for me is Saquon's going to be 10 months and 12 days since his surgery. Um, he's just, he checks all the boxes to be an outlier. That's not to predict that he's going to be an outlier, but if if there was anybody in the whole universe that was going to be an outlier and just, just basically throw the protocols out the window, it would be Saquon Barkley. Yeah. I did a, back when Barkley was coming out of college, I did a podcast with Elliot Christ. He was doing a bunch of like player profiles um, on daily on his, on his podcast. And I did one with Saquon Barkley and he, he led in with Superman's theme song on, uh, on Barkley by my show. And that was, that's appropriate. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Barkley was Superman. He still is. And I think, I think you're right. I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be just fine. And right now, man, he's a fantastic discount. Cause if he were healthy, Scott, if, if Barkley were healthy, he would be in that conversation with like Henry and Zeke for four and five, right. Among RBs. Uh, I, th- I, th- I think higher. I mean, he's the closest yeah. thing we have to Christian McCaffrey. Okay. Yeah. So he would be three then. Probably. He would be probably RB two if he was full. Wow. Out. Okay. Over Dalvin. Dalvin just has such six touchdown upside and I love Dalvin, but yeah, I, I think you're probably right. I think you're probably right. Um, so OBJ, Cortland Sutton, both coming off ACL tears, kind of like you said, it's, you know, OBJ said he's fine. Sutton says he's fine today. Um, Sutton had a quote where he's just like, I'm not going to feel hundred percent until I get hit basically until I get back on the field, which I love. So, um, all things considered, I think Beckham and Sutton have just kind of stayed the same and ADP all summer. And I really don't think we need to touch on them too much because you kind of know the situation. One guy I really do want to touch on. I've been, I've been texting you since like, I don't know, since like June, since this, uh, this situation came up is Amari Cooper. Um, what is going on with Cooper? Because I know the Cowboys are playing it. You know they're kind of playing it slow, and they're playing with their cards very close to their chest. But Cooper's coming off an ankle injury, um, and they put him on the PUP list today, um, or maybe it was yesterday. What what is the deal with Cooper? Do you think it's some sort of complication, or is there you know is there, is are they really just playing it safe? I, no, I just I, want to say one thing about Amari before Edwin dives in deep. In 2019, remember last year we did that article together, Edwin. Mm. So in 2019, he was dealing with an intrinsic muscle strain in his foot that put him in jeopardy of almost missing week one. Week three, he had an ankle injury to the opposite foot that kept him limited in practice until week five. Week six, he played on just three snaps before he suffered a quad injury slash a bruised thigh that knocked him out of that game. The ankle and quad were both still injuring, uh, bothering him in week seven, but he kept playing. He, he suffered a knee injury in practice heading into week nine, then re-aggravated it during that game. He was diagnosed with a bruised knee, and that, alongside the ankle, kept him limited in practice until week 12, and then he re-injured it again in week 13. That's an insane amount of injuries, and in spite of that fact, he was still a monster. He was still hype, super productive. Yeah. Uh, this guy has dealt with a ton of injuries throughout his career. I don't know why, maybe Edwin can talk about why, but one point is he has played through it and he has played through it successfully. Yes, those, those are, that's, that's a great point. I sort of, can you hear me? Yep. 
Okay. So that's a great point to bring up. I sort of view Amari Cooper in the way that I view Julio Jones. He's like Julio Jones light. Like Julio always has mm-hmm. all these nagging little things that are like it's a hamstring or it's an ankle or it's a shoulder. And he just plays and performs anyway. Amari Cooper is the same way, but he also has higher variance. Like my theory is that the reason he's so prone to these sort of zero bust games, Amari Cooper is because of these specific injuries that are nagging him and he just never says anything about them. That's my theory. Um, now there, are, there is a little bit about like his style of play too, in terms of like, is he, is he inside or is he outside? Like, can he create separation, stuff like that? And I get that. Um, but I do think that the injuries play something into it. The, you know, NFL players get hurt, but it is, it's, it's difficult to look past the fact that he's had all these foot and ankles, uh, stuff, foot and ankle injuries specifically. And now he's having coming off a minor, what was considered a minor cleanup of scope in January. There's no reason if this yeah. is progressing the way that it should be, that in June he's having, quote, irritation for this scope that he had on his ankle. It could have been a cartilage issue. It could have been a ligament issue. It could have been something that they wanted to clean up, but it's just not healing. It's not doing well. This is a bad sign early in June, July, that he's having this irritation from this specific, and we're assuming this is from the same ankle, right? Um, so, you know, something a steroid injection could be in his future. Another scope could be in his future. As of right now, it's not looking great. Um, I think you could still get him at like a discount and hope, so, sort of cross your fingers, hope for the best. But the worst case scenario is that he needs to be cut open again and right. they need to be more aggressive. Now, I don't know what that would entail specifically because we don't know the specifics of the injury itself, but there's no reason that he should be sitting here in July with irritation on the pup from a surgery that happened in, in a minor surgery that happened in January. Damn. Yeah, well, now you're scaring me because uh, Cooper is one of the guys I was taking ahead of Michael Thomas, so I might might catch that on the back end. But uh, yeah, Cooper sat out, I believe it was the 19 training camp too with a foot sprain. Um, and then, like you mentioned, he played through a bunch of a bunch of stuff last year and the year before. Um, the, what's interesting from a long-term perspective is the Cowboys can get out of Cooper's contract, I believe, after this year too. So I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know if... I don't know if they're going to be looking to do that, you know, with all these injuries piling up, but um, CD lamb is, uh, is already going ahead of Mario Cooper in a lot of drafts, seen a lot of sharp rooms, take, take lamb over Cooper. And I think that trend's going to continue all the way through training camp until we see Cooper put the pads on and get back on the field. Are you saying um, you're going CD ham in your drafts, Graham? Oh, the, the Twitter feed already went CD ham today with all the freaking C- CD lamb highlights that were all over the feed. It was, CD goat. It was basically a massive circle jerk on Twitter. It was, it was, honestly, it was glorious. I enjoyed it for a little bit, then, then it got old. Um, no, nah, but this also makes Michael Gallup even more appealing. I've been drafting a ton. Oh, of you love Michael Gallup. I've been hearing you say that. You do yeah. love Michael Gallup. Yeah, I love me some Gallup. Um, so if Cooper, I mean, if Cooper is... You know, less than 100%. This is some games. Gallup is... Lamb and Gallup are going to be doing a lot of trotting out on yeah. the field this year for the yeah, fantasy team. Well done. Yeah, I well like done. that one, huh? Well done. Name this, uh, name this podcast Dad Puns. Um, all right. Enough scaring about Amari Cooper. Um, <laughs> Calvin Ridley, please tell me some good news. He had kind of a similar situation where he's coming off a kind of sneaky, you know, injury that uh, required surgery. Wasn't a lot in the media about it. Um, Ridley missed, I believe he missed minicamp. Um, it's just like a precaution. Um, is there any cause for concern with Ridley and his injury? Yeah. So yeah, that's the thing about the, the injury itself. I don't, I had a tweet about it and now I lost it cause I don't know where it went, but it I like, think 
it was just a scope, right? Yeah, they said it was a minor off-season foot surgery. Which, by the way, I, I've been meaning to ask you this: Is there such thing as minor surgery? Like Relative. anytime, <laughs> anytime you get cut open, it sounds like something major to me. Yeah, uh, when it comes to like re- regular humans, yeah, there's not there's not really such a thing as a minor surgery. Right. There are major risks, generally speaking, with getting put on, under anesthesia. Then you have blood clot issues potentially that you're at risk for. For regular humans, no. There's like I know we that's become like we've become accustomed to saying, oh, you know, it's a minor surgery. There's no such thing as a minor surgery, regardless of how small it is. So yeah, that is something that sort of sports fans I think uh, take take for granted a little bit. Um, but yeah, anytime you need to open somebody up, for the record, surgeons are the last people who want to cut you open if they don't need to. For one, there are inherent risks, and ethically they have a responsibility to make sure they don't put you at those risks if they don't need it. For two, if you mess up their outcomes, like Amari Cooper then that just looks bad on them, regardless of if it's their fault or not. So they don't want to be associated with that. So even surgeons will be the first ones to say, try PT first. Um, and you should. Everybody out yeah. there, plug plug for physical therapy out there. But here's the thing. This was a cleanup for Calvin Ridley. Worst case scenario, based on sort of deducting here, he had some sort of like decompression. I don't think that's actually what happened. He probably just had a regular scope. Um, at worst case from the day of the surgery, which would have been back in June, it would have been like a four to eight week recovery. Um, but I think that it was just like a cleanup. I don't, I don't have any concerns unless we get to October and you're hearing the same thing about Ridley that you heard about uh, Amari Cooper about, you know, irritation or whatever, but no, yeah. I'm not, I, he's had some foot ankle stuff too. So you do want to watch out for that. I've said before, tell me Scott or Graham, either of you, tell me who you think a player, uh, a player who's in the same tier and the most comparable to Calvin Ridley. Hmm. Like strictly from fantasy production. Man, probably Stephon Diggs. Honestly. That's what, yeah, I've heard Stephon Diggs. So if you're looking, if you're on draft day and you're like, oh man, I could take Stephon Diggs right now. Yeah. Or I could take Calvin Ridley in a bubble, right? In a vacuum. Sure. You can use the surgery as like, all right, I'll take Stephon Diggs. But other than that, I'm not like 10,000 foot view concerned about Calvin Ridley. Okay. Yeah. Well, I remember he missed a game last year. Excuse me. He missed a game last year, mid season because of a foot sprain. And I, do, is there a, is that a link? Is that, was that the same injury? I honestly don't know. It was a midfoot sprain okay. and it very well could be something that they went back and explored. Um, right. He maybe had like some for, some sort of like cartilage fragment or some, you know, some even like bone fragment that was residually from that injury itself, or it could be totally unrelated. We just don't know, but it could be something related to that. But okay. in, ter- in the short term, it's not, like I said, it's not too big of a concern. Okay. Yeah, because there was a rap sheet tweet um, June 9th. He said it was like, you know, he said it was a minor foot surgery, a little cleanup. Um, and obviously he wasn't in mini camps. So, um, yeah, we'll just something to monitor. I'm, I'm with you. I'm not really adjusting too much for Ridley. Definitely adjusting a little bit for Cooper. Um, I've been taking him like consistently in the mid third round, um, <laughs> ironically around that Michael Thomas range, like I said. But um, yeah, Cooper, I think, is like maybe a, a half a round discount until we see him because the upside, I mean, if you're getting Amari Cooper in the fourth round, you know what the upside is. I mean, he has wide receiver five, six, seven potential um, in that offense right now. So, yeah, no discount on Ridley, slight one on Cooper. Um, we added Joe Mixon to the list here that we wanted to talk to you about, Edwin, and, and last year. That was probably like the most frustrating injury <laughs> to, to just have in fantasy because, like, you know, in week six, week seven, he, he you know, left that Colts game, middle of the game, and then, the, you know, the Bengals were like, oh, he'll be back in a couple weeks, and you're like, fine, all right, whatever. I'll just stash Joe Bernard. Uh, it'll be fine. And, you know, two weeks turns into four, four weeks turns into six, and then they shut him down late in the year. Um, 
Do you have any intel on what that injury actually was? And do you think he should be back to 100% for, uh, for training camp right now? It sounds like it was a midfoot sprain, and it sounds like he was fine. Hmm. There was some buzz. At one point, they published a the, – the Bengals, like out of Cincinnati, published an injury report. And I was shocked that it said Joe. It was it was one. It was in the middle of that lull when he wasn't doing anything, and it said Joe Mixon full practice. They retracted it. They said he didn't practice. I think he might have practiced, and they were like, "Oh shoot, we're not supposed to put yeah. that out there." I think he's fine. Zach Taylor has his history, like Scott mentioned earlier. Um, he he sort of drug us along when it came to AJ Green. Um, I never believed him for a, for a second when that was happening. Uh, when it came to AJ Green, he did it last year with Mixon, just like we're talking about. So I don't believe anything that comes out of Cincinnati. I don't believe anything that comes out of Zach Taylor's mouth. And I don't think that he had that serious of an injury. Uh, even if he did, it was stable. There are systematic reviews showing that the athletes that come back from a stable Liz Frank issue do just fine. They, their outcomes are, are are great, and they can go back to their sport without any issues. I'm not worried about Joe Mixon at all. He He's played like 93% of his games getting back to college before this year. I, I, he's fine. I think Joe Mixon's yeah. going to be fine. Great. Yeah, that, you'd love to hear that because um, I know Scott's high on Mixon. I'm high on Mixon. And you're getting him now at a, you know, maybe six to 10 pick discount from where he usually goes in like the back half of the first round. So <clears throat> you'd love, you'd love to hear that. I'm, I'm dangerously high on Mixon. You really are. Honestly, you're, you're I love getting, to hear that. I do love to hear you're that. You're getting, you're getting, you're getting, he's a, he fits, he fits that small. bell cow archetype you love. That's right. That's right. You give him 50% of Giovanni Bernard's vacated work, which all the beat writers, the coaches are saying, he's going to be an 80% of the snap kind of guy, which is rare. He's right there in the Dalvin Cook, Zeke Elliott discussion. Damn. So Joe Mixon is uh, the RB1 over McCaffrey. He's going to score 33 fantasy points per game. and Oh, he's, he's, he's well above Jonathan Taylor. The question is, is is Antonio Gibson above Jonathan Taylor? And that's another injury concern we need yeah. to be talking about. The toe injury. Still Anto- lingering. Antonio. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Dad puns it is. <laughs> we're, we're calling this it's not funny. It's this man's health, but I had to throw it in there. <laughs> also, a last thing before you get into Antonio Gibson. I see that Tom Brady fine off MCL question mark. I have a feeling Scott put that in there just because he loves to talk about Tom Brady. Was that you, Scott? <laughs> I don't think so. I think this. Oh, was, was that Graham? Wow, I'm shocked. Okay, but yeah, I mean, uh, so right, at, Tom Brady put out that he basically played without any working ligaments in his knee, and then Doctor David Chow came out. You and was like, that. Well, this is just a lie because that's <laughs> that's impossible. Well, Brady also put together a nice little fake clip of him throwing a ball into the jugs machine. That was yeah, the I saw that. He, yeah. he he likes to build himself up to be something more than he than he is, and he doesn't need to because he's already the greatest of all time. But I mean, plastic surgery. I mean, he's definitely oh. had plastic surgery. Oh, absolutely. And he was also super late to the to the Bitcoin game because he laser-eyed himself in like March of this year. It's like, get the hell out of here, Brady. Yeah, what are you even it, doing? You're just doing this for clout. He has the he has the CGI video of him throwing it into uh the the jugs, what, yeah. Yeah, the jugs machine. He's basically like one of those Instagram thoughts who's really not that hot, is like sort right. of fat, just taking Agreed. great angled pictures with heavy filters on. That's who Tom Brady is. And you don't need to. Just love yourself for who you are. Like you're the goat. You're the greatest football player of all time. Why do you have to embrace Tom, your flaws? Tom Brady's about to start putting swipe up links in his Instagram for his the thing that he's <laughs> <laughs> the thing he's doing is he's trying. Like if you think about it, he left New England 
And what he's trying to do is like build the back half of his legacy because he I don't yeah. he knows he's not competing with anybody uh, literally other than Michael Jordan. Like in yeah. terms of like sports figures, he knows he's not competing with anybody other than somebody like Michael Jordan. And so that's what and he's Bill doing. Belichick. I, like, and I think it's yeah, like a, working against him too. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you ever have a friend whose like dad was like you know senior vice president at J.P. Morgan. I'm actually talking about a little friend right now, but who was like always like, in his shadow, oh, and so voice. he has to like I have to make my own way and. You know, come come on, Tom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get you. Yeah, he definitely wanted to prove that he was the the most of the influence of all their uh, all the rings. Yeah, then he threw three picks in the NFC Championship game, but we won't talk about that, will we? <clears throat> Moving on. I still can't believe he. Th- I still can't believe he ended his Patriots career with that Titans pick. That oh, was, I know, I know. Yeah, it's almost like he did it on purpose. Brutal. I got a bunch of buddies that are big Jags fans, and they loved it. Jags fans, I, hate, no, no fan base. You will never catch me on this. No fan base hates Tom Brady more than Jaguars fans. Wasn't like it is, did the Jaguars have him on the on the ropes that one that what year oh, was that? Like 18, oh, they should have won that game. Yeah, Miles Jack forced that fumble. Man, yeah. go back and after well, after you listen, after everybody, after you're done, listen to the podcast. Go to YouTube, pull up Miles Jack's fumble. The referees totally botched that call in favor of the Patriots. The Jags were driving let it, let down Let it go, the field. Graham. Let it let it not go. Shocking. This is years wow. ago. I'm I'm oh, a now Giants. We're talking, now we're talking Scott sensitive spots. I, I'm Scott's a like, Giants fan. So talk about Tom Brady. I'm a Giants fan. So obviously true, Tom yeah. Brady is my favorite <laughs> player of all time. Tom, Tom, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, the Gi- Giants fans yeah, are like no the problem. only ones who like don't hate Brady. Yeah, they're For every sure. every Giants fan like they got those two rings and yeah. Tom, every every guy. Giants fan is like Tom Brady's not that bad. Like, he's great. <laughs> yeah, which is weird because then you—he's not the goat. He's not Eli Manning, but he's he's up there. Oh, <laughs> oh boy, is Eli Manning elite? That's like do you want to really, do you want to hear my oh do you want to hear my argument for why Eli Manning should be in the Hall of Fame? Because of course, because it's the Hall of Fame, not the Hall of Great, and he's famous, so he's getting in. Yeah. It'd be so pretty. Deep. That was so pretty, deep, Scott. It'd be pretty crazy <laughs> if he didn't. I mean, two. You can't. You can't debate that. Two Super Bowl rings against the vintage Patriots, and if he doesn't get in, I'm with you. By the way, I mean statistically, he's not even close to some of those. Yeah, so the the real argument is just that, like, what are people going to remember about the 2000s to 2020s? It's just Tom Brady and the, and the three teams Eli that beat him, him in the Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly. and that's, yeah, that's Eli. There was yeah. a funny, and we could, sorry, we were off the rails. There's a, there's a meme I remember going around. I think it was like 2019. Um, it was when the Giants were in a tight game and uh, Eli had Daniel Jones on the side. It was when he, when they'd pulled Eli for Daniel Jones. <laughs> and there was a meme going around because they were looking at the iPad together. And the meme was like, uh, like Eli talking to Daniel Jones and he, and, it was like, yeah, you just throw it up in the air, and then somebody comes down with it, and then it was that David Tyree catch where the, where the football was <laughs> on his head, like the two split pictures of like Eli Manning saying, "You just throw it up there, and somebody's gonna catch it." So that's that. That's, that's what I think of when I think of, of Eli Manning. Yeah, that's great, dude. Um, that throw he had to, um, I believe it was Mario Manningham, like up the sideline in that twenty eleven. Oh my Super god, oh, that one was oh. sick. That was a seed. That like yeah, that was yeah. a truly elite. It, it was, was legitimately that's like one of the best throws. Maybe in the best throw of all time. Yeah, in the most clutch moment too. Yeah. As a fan, I am just forever chasing those two moments. The Tyree <laughs> catch, the Manningham. Nothing comes cl- will ever come close to it. Scott, I could be you- sweating a million dollars, and it's still <laughs> not the same. Were you a big Jason Seahorn guy? Oh, absolutely. I I own I own two jerseys. One oh, is Jason Seahorn, the other is Jeremy Shockey. 
love it. I, I met Jason Seahorn. He, he's the man. Also, yeah. one of the most underrated special teams returners of all time. I think he has two in his career. And like they both went for touchdowns, and I think they both yeah. ended in an ACL injury. Wasn't was one of them against the Eagles, or is that, or am I misremembering that? I don't know. Uh, no, he had that sick interception return for a touchdown where he bobbled it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was it. That was it. All right, we've uh, we've gone completely off the rails <laughs> here. Um, I think we were on Antonio Gibson, and that actually kind of that was a, a, a sneaky injury that kind of popped up. Yeah. Um, late last year, Gibson still said, I think it was like May and June. Um, reporter asked him, like, you know, hey, are you back from your you know, your turf toe. And he said, not really. I'm still kind of feeling it. Um, what, <laughs> what is that? What? Is that normal? No, like, not for him to say that anyway. Yeah. So here's the thing you have, when it comes to like most injuries, if you grade them from one to three, grade one, are your like, you turn your ankle playing pickup basketball, you know, five days later, you're playing again. You're fine. Uh, grade three is all right. You need a surgery. This needs stabilized pretty quickly. Uh, otherwise you're just probably not going to have a functioning ankle. And then you have your grade two. Your grade two is like huge. There's this huge gap between grade one and grade three. And grade twos fill that massive gap. It could be anything from like your ankles falling off close to a grade three or mm-hmm. to like this is just a really severe grade one. What I'm trying to say is like there's a lot of gray area, specifically with turf toe injuries. You don't always necessarily need surgery and the literature isn't conclusive on whether you need it or not. In a, in a scenario like Patrick Mahomes, they probably were like, okay, yeah, this is probably to the point where we need surgery. Right. But with uh, with Antonio Gibson, they were probably like, yeah, you could probably rehab this. It'll probably be fine. And then it didn't get better. Six months later, it's not better. It's not going to get necessarily better. But it also doesn't make it mean that it's super severe. But we do know, like, if he's saying six months later, it's still bothering me, then it's going to bother him. What I think is this is going to amount to is uh, he is going to be on the injury report, you know, a lot of weeks. He's going to miss some Wednesday practices. Scott's going to be DMing me thinking about what I think about a beat reporter's tweet um, where everybody's going to panic. Then he's going to end up playing like most Sundays. What I would say is like, he's another definite fade compared, you know, to another player that you think might be in his caliber. I would put him at the end of that tier and I would compare him to the dude at your next tier. And I would, mm-hmm. I'd consider taking the dude at the next year because you don't know what's going to happen with this. I'm not going to, it's highly unlikely that the whole thing's just going to rupture. That's super unlikely. But when we have information that a dude is still carrying an injury into the season, that's likely not going to get better without surgery at the end of the 2021 season. Like that's information we can use to our advantage. Like if you're looking for upside constantly and you're looking to just totally fade any type of like, you know, variance that you don't want on your team, then this is information to use. It's not to say that he's going to miss more than like one or two games maybe, but it's definitely information that's relevant to, to when you're selecting players and that sort of, where's he going? Like second, like, first half and second it's like it depends on what draft you're in it's he's typically a second round pick like it can be the 201 to the 210 but yeah yeah that's that's Um, that's where i would start considering i don't know it just depends on your roster construction and everything else obviously but i'm not fading him completely but like i said if you're if you're like looking for somebody else then i might Mm. lean that direction instead yeah um i just want to say that that injury was so especially frustrating because the team had said from the start, um, we're going to we're gonna unleash Gibson in the second half or we're, we're going to give him you know, a full workload. And 
a few weeks after that, that started how we started to see that materialize. And it all culminated in week 12, where we saw season highs in snap share, 65%, carries 20, targets. He was finally used in the passing game, seven targets. He scored 36.6 fantasy points. I'm like, yes, here is my league winner. This is this tw- rookie season David Johnson crushing it in the playoffs. And then he missed, what, the next five games, and he spent the last three on the injury report as questionable. And, you know, it was yeah. – so, so if he's full health and, and again, he, the, the comments were weird and vague. It was like, oh, you know, almost 100%. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. feeling good though. And it's just like, could this be a thing where it, it caps his volume or if he's fully healthy, like, are they just going to unleash him and he's going to be, you know, the league winning 2016 David Johnson, you know, I want him to be. Yeah. Real quick, I do have the full quote pulled up. Uh, it was from June 2nd, so mini camps. Um, you know, he was getting close to practicing in OTAs, but he said it was something small. The turf toe injury was something small. It was causing me to not able to run to 100%. I'm fine now. I've been cutting in practice and getting better each day, uh, but it's definitely something to monitor. Uh, I definitely got to watch and make sure and stay up on my treatment, um, yeah, but it's definitely something I'm watching until 100%, which is kind of like a word jumble. Yeah, I mean, if you scramble all those words together, you might get something out of it. But yeah, it sounds like he's still, at least back in June, he was still feeling the effects of it. Well, turf toe from December shouldn't still be around in June if it resolved. That's what I'm saying. So, so like, yeah. I th- but I think all things Scott said are, like are possible. Like, it's possible that he can get to full. I think it's unlikely, but I, it's possible he can get to full health. They start feeding him. He becomes a you know a league winning sort of running back. And then he misses week 14 and 15 because the toe got worse. Like, yeah. I think that all options are possible and he's that he's got really high volatility. Um, he could be hundred percent healthy. Like I said, the other side of the coin to look at is that he, I'm not a big believer in like running backs can't handle volume, but I do think sort of like exceptions exist and we just don't know what kind of volume, like he might've hit his tipping point when he started getting more volume last year to where his body couldn't hold up to it. We don't know. I'm not saying that's the case with him, but um, and I'd have to look at his BMI because I think like if they have like a 28 BMI, it's fine. Like it's not like as long as they meet that threshold. But um, it, maybe he since he played receiver in in, uh, in college that he just can't handle a, an NFL running back workload. We don't know. Like I'm saying, right. we don't know. And this, he's just of all the running backs, like the top running backs, um, he's got some of the highest volatility for for 2021. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, he was at OTAs, um, but you know that quote did kind of stick out to me in the back of my head, and I definitely wanted to ask you about it. Um, by the way, uh, he's basically a Joe Mixon clone. He's like six one, two twenty five. He's a Jonathan Taylor clone. He's like literally every single stat. Uh, not, then durability from like that perspective probably is not a yeah. not a factor. All right, cool. Um, God, he's huge. Yeah, he's massive, man. When I was watching him for yards created, I mean, he only had like thirty carries at Memphis in his last year. But I was like, damn, he literally looks just like Joe Mixon. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, he, from a squatty perspective, he kind of does look like Taylor too. I could see that. Um. All right, let's talk quickly about Joe Burrow. Um, he got cleared today, which is fantastic. He's going to be cleared for 11-on-11. 11 11. Um, he's not going to play in the preseason, which isn't a surprise. So they're just going to you know, keep him completely out of like live game contact, which is great. So Joe Burrow on track for week one. Um, is there any concern for like lingering issues? Is he ahead of schedule? Is he right on schedule? Uh, what say you? I would say if we're if we're following what the Bengals are telling us and we follow the breadcrumb of trails, he's ahead of schedule. He had a massive knee injury. This was this was an ACL plus meniscus plus MCL. We and there was some PCL involvement according to Shefty. This was a huge injury, guys. Like huge late in the season too. 
So the minimum, the bare minimum that a surgeon will let their players uh, return to sport or feel comfortable with them returning to sport if they pass all the functional criteria given by the PT is nine months. So week one is going to be nine months and 10 days. And I sent this to Scott too. So I'm not like, it's looking good, especially since he didn't start on the pup. Um, but I mean, there's nothing magical about like eight months and 29 days and nine months and 10 days. So I just wonder like, is it because, you know, what it might look like to the public? I don't know. It's strange that he's not going to do at least one preseason game towards the end right. of the of the preseason. Because like I said, there's nothing magical in two weeks once you're at the eight or nine month mark. Um, Carson Wentz came back from his uh, ACL and LCL in 20, I think it's like 2018 after nine months and 10 days too, ironically. Um, so it's the bare minimum. Uh, I would just, I would say if you're all in on Burrow, I have no problem with that. I just would not be taking Burrow as my only quarterback in any league or any format because it's not, it's not a slam dunk yet that he will be back for week one. Um, it's, it, it's likely and it's trending that direction, but it's, he's cutting it super close. So I wouldn't necessarily bank on it hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see, you know, what they do. Do they just play him in shotgun a little bit more, maybe weeks one through three and just, you know, so he's not taking, you know, big deep drops. So he's got, you right. know, he can get the ball up quickly. So it'll be interesting to see what Zach Taylor and they do to get, you know, to kind of just get him back into a groove. From I can see a lot of three-step drops, uh, like yeah. quick slants, yeah. wheel routes yeah, to Mixon, hopefully. Um, yeah. it's be- just to get his sea legs under him. I'm just, I'm, I'm wondering how, much the mental side is going to impact. I, I talk about this a lot on Twitter. Like just because we can't quantify a player's psychology and where they're at mentally doesn't mean that it doesn't impact their game. I mean, look at head cases like, um, um, gosh, what's the receiver who used to play for the Eagles? Um, Deshaun Jackson? No, <laughs> no, I would know him. I, for, I forgot his name. Um, Aglor. Aglor is like a head case. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's like a head case. He's like talk to sports psychologists and stuff. Like this stuff matters. We just don't know to what extent. And so I don't know how comfortable he's going to be on the knee is the point I'm trying to make. Like yeah. that might cap his rushing upside in the first month of the season or so. Yeah. Um, I need a sports psychologist for DFS swings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those lows get real low, man. You always remember, you always feel like way worse. I don't know. It's something about the human brain where you're like, you feel three times worse with your losing streaks than you feel like when you hit a big win. Like it's still like that emotion is three times worse. I don't We're hardwired to remember negative because negative right. has, is what's protected us in terms of evolution. So yeah. our brains are like, you'll hear psychologists talk about our brains are literally hardwired to remember negative things. That's why when you have a bad day, you're just like want to bitch and complain about it because your brain's like hardwired to remember like what was negative about it? Why was it negative? What was the impacts that we try to avoid that again? It's just like an, it's weird. It's an evolutionary thing. I love evolution. It feels like a, a Joe Rogan bit. <laughs> oh dude, that's crazy. Yeah. Hey, Our ancestors, you know, saber tooth tiger, or whatever. It does sound Scott, like a Joe Rogan thing. Scott, have you tried DMT, man? Have you tried DMT? <laughs> it's a DMT. Pull up, pull up. I'm on it have right you now. Ever had, have you tried DMT and then eaten elk meat? It's I th- fantastic. I, th- I think that like yeah. Joe Rogan as a guy is just a, a weird guy. Like he is a weird, weird guy. Dude. I think he has conversations with really smart people, but yeah. I don't think he is like an intellectual. I think mean, he's like a pseudo intellectual. Uh, yeah. He just says some off the stuff. He, like he talks to smart people. I just, yeah. I just question him and his intelligence. Like his, some of the, yeah. some of the things he says are like totally yeah. questionable. He's out yeah, to get no, back though. I mean, no. he's a comedian, but yeah. 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 He's a comedian first. Yeah. You got to remember that. True. And um, a stoner second. <laughs> Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, he posted this weird ass video. Uh, I follow him on Instagram. He posted this weird video of him like this like ice tub. And I, I don't know. It's bizarre. You just have to see it. He loves um, he loves anything that's like 
even like physiologically plausible. Like he'll take an idea and a concept and a theory and he'll just extrapolate it out to like, this is fact and this is why I do this and it helps me. That's what bothers me the most about him. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to trash Joe Rogan in case we have him on the show, but uh, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a fan. I've reached out to his people and Scott. You're like a couple hours away from him in Austin now, so you can get down, <laughs> get down there. All right, now, back, Ro- back to back to the show at oh, hand. Yes. Sorry, guys. That's right. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, did he have Tommy John surgery or not? Because it was reported he did, and he was like, no, it wasn't Tommy John surgery. And so I'm just curious, like – he, you know, he was sort of noodle arms last year, low a dot, just try to get the ball out quick. Could we see him, you know, make us take a step in terms of velocity and arm strength? You could. Yeah, you definitely could. Um, he had a flexor tendon rupture. He had like, he said he like, he tore three flexor tendons. So basically the motion that flexes your wrist and your fingers, he, that ruptured at the insertion at the elbow because they start way up at the elbow. So that's a recovery that typically can resolve within like six months, depending on what literature you're looking at. Um, but I think this is just like, this is just like an old guy injury. Like you saw it with Breeze. He had a ligament rupture. Um, and then you saw this, like in the same week, Ben Roethlisberger ruptured his, his elbow, uh, his flexor tendons. So those are just old guy injuries. Like they're literally like 40 years old. And that's not to like knock them, but they've been doing this thing repetitively for 20 years at this point more than that 20 plus years they've been doing the same motion the same throwing motion they've thrown like hundreds of thousands of of footballs and um this is just an overuse injury so like even though he can bounce back from it it's not to say that he's not susceptible to another overuse injury so i don't know if he can come back necessarily like i think that his noodle arm might be here to stay um but i just don't i just don't trust him at this point he's just like one of the just unhealthiest sort of players that I like when you, I just consider he's just always hurt. It seems like, yep. and I don't blame the guy. Um, yeah. You know, it's, he plays in the NFL, but it always seems like there's something with Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. There was a quote today from uh, their GM, Kevin Colbert. Um, and he basically said, I did, Oh, I didn't see any drop off in, in his arm talent last year. It's like, okay, come on. You're just put on the rose colored glasses at this point. Um, but yeah, you know, I think last year it was obvious for anybody that that offense, man, they just couldn't stretch the field. Like they just, <laughs> it was Deontay Johnson drag routes. It was dump offs to Juju with like, like a four yard a dot and like an occasional wobbly shot to chase Claypool. So we just have to hope that, you know, for all the receiver sakes, cause because, I mean, outside of like, you know, you're taking him as a QB2 or QB3 in best ball. Outside of that, you know, we're really just wanting Big Ben to be somewhat healthy for Deontay and Claypool. Yeah. And Juju. That's really the big thing. And now Najee Harris, too. He's got to have – as long as he gets – as long as he has enough arm strength to dump off to Najee Harris 90 times this year, I think we'll be straight. Uh, we're already off the rails at this point, so I'll just give away one of Johnny's – famous takes, which was when he linked together the elbow injury, Ben Roethlisberger's home away splits and his uh, porn addiction. He came out and, and admitted uh, he had a porn addiction. I had to mute myself while you were going into that because yeah. I knew I was going to start laughing. That's like the anti-Scott trend right now though, right? It's like the opposite <laughs> end of the spectrum. Instead of, instead of no fap, yes fap. <laughs> All right. Um, so, so the next next item on the agenda, I think this is interesting because a lot of people were drafting Evan Ingram last year, and mm-hmm. I avoided him like the plague because Edwin had an article talking about how Liz Frank injuries 
reduce an NFL offensive player's on-field production by an average of 21% in their first season following injury, but they're typically back to who they were prior to the injury the second year. And so last year we saw Evan Ingram, it's like about a 30% drop off in productivity, didn't look good, wasn't efficient. Um, I don't know how drops factor into Liz Frank, but tons <laughs> of drops. Uh, so, so Edwin, is this your take? Is, is your take now we go all in on Evan Ingram because he's back to full health? Well, I mean, Graham really took the wind out of my sails when I text him. Graham and I play this play this game where I where Graham tells me, uh, I ask him, is this NFL player good? And Graham will tell me yes or no. And like, <laughs> I guess if you don't think Evan Ingram is good, like, no. But I do think that at least in part, his production was capped by the fact that he's coached by Jason Garrett and that he's one year after Liz yeah. Frank, uh, a Liz Frank injury. A 30% drop off is huge. I went back and did the math and uh, I have it somewhere on my Twitter where I talked about like his first couple of years versus uh, versus the, the 2020 season. And it was, there was a pretty stark difference. And he also had his peak games on the back half of the season. Makes you think, yeah, a little more rhythm, but also he's probably feeling a little bit better on that ankle. Overall, um, it, if you think Evan Ingram was totally just toast because of the injury, then yeah, you should be in on him. But like, mm-hmm. also if you don't think he's good and he's not going to have the targets cause you have you basically would have what amounts to like three slot receivers with him and uh, Shepard and and is it wait is is Golden Tate still there? You leave? No, nah, he's a free agent. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, but then you have Ingram in the mix too, and then you add in Kenny yeah. Galladay and the fact that I don't think Daniel Jones is good at football. You just have all these factors. So I'll let you guys talk about that because I I think from an injury perspective, it did it did sort of zap some of his upside. Yeah, um, I, I think just like watching. Um, watching their games last year, you know, late in the year, you saw the explosiveness come back from him and Garrett started using him more downfield. So I, I think there's definitely a, a link there that, you know, early in the year, you know, Ingram was basically like Jason Witten to start the year from like a, a role perspective. You know, he was just getting like super low dot targets. And then you saw that role start to expand. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I wrote this up, but just, not to go too deep in Evan Ingram, but he had like one of the most unlucky seasons for tight end ever. Um, since 2000, only two tight ends have seen a hundred or more targets in a season to score just one touchdown. And that was Chris Cooley in 2008. And then Evan Ingram last year. Um, and I, I pulled this too. tight ends on average, they get a hundred or more targets average 6.3 touchdowns per season. So, I mean, Ingram was like uh, at least, I mean, by multiple factors below uh, expectation of the touchdown department. But now, yeah, like you mentioned, Edwin, you know, he's got to deal with the healthy Barkley, uh, Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Tony. They brought in Kyle Rudolph, who I think is mainly just going to be a blocker. But, um, yeah, I think they've kind of told us what they think, uh, what they thought about their offense last year, and it's that they needed more weapons, and they don't trust Evan Ingram to be um, a true, like, 15, 20, 25% target share player. I think they just want him to be a fun piece to the offense. Um, all right, we will move on from Ingram. Let's talk Raheem, uh, Raheem Mostert, because last year – uh, Moster in, in, in previous years, I mean, every time he's on the field, he's freaking awesome. Um, but you know, last year was obviously just a ton of, uh, a ton of injuries for him. Couldn't get back on the field, came back this time, just, uh, you know, on and off. Um, do you think, do you think Moster is close to hundred percent? Should he be hundred percent by week one? And, um, do you think he'll be able to handle, you know, his, his usual like 12, 15, 16 touches per game? So it depends what you think of, of, of Mostert. So at this point, he's 28 years old. Um, you know, I think he's a UDFA. He yep. has a track record for sort of being like, I don't know, 
we have like a rich man's Kenyon Drake. Like he makes big plays, but it just he the best predictor for future availability is previous availability. Since 2017, he missed 11 games. Not, or I mean, missed. He played 11 games 2017. Uh, then nine in 2018. 2019 was an outlier. He played all 16. 2020, he played eight. This dude just doesn't tend to stay on the field. Um, right. He has a knee injury. What? Not entirely sure what that's all about. Is it intraarticular inside the joint? Like, is, is he having swelling in the knee? Is it still residual from the MCL issue? Then he had the high ankle sprain. He's just a guy that I don't necessarily trust to stay healthy. Uh, he's like, you know, he can make big plays, obviously, and he has some upside, but I'm not at this point, just considering all of the factors, like like everything that the San Francisco 49ers, you know, taking Trey Sermon, the whole deal, he's hard for me to trust. Um, yeah. Because even if I do take him, I feel like he's going to be one of those dudes, like, is he even going to be available? Like, should I even, is this going to be a Mostert game? Is this going to be a Sermon game, right? Jeff Wilson, if he ever comes back, is this going to be a Jeff Wilson game? Uh, is this going to be a Scott Barrett game? Because Shanahan could probably sign Scott off the street. <laughs> and like, Scott would rush for like 150 yards and catch three balls out of the backfield <laughs> for a touchdown. Like, it's just an unpredictable situation. He's hurt right now. Um, from what? Like how you're not even on the field yet. And like, yeah. I try to have a pretty optimistic view on players, but most are just, he's a, he's, he's a hard one to pin down. Yeah. So he had that, you know, the MCL sprain that he had, and I think it was like week one, it might've been week two last year. And then, you know, he sprained his ankle in the middle of the year. And then the report from June the 2nd is that he missed an OTA because an OTA session because he had an, a knee issue. And it, I, I did some digging. And I couldn't really find what the knee issue was. Um, but, yeah, I just – I'm with you, man. It's like, you know, we're, we're talking about potentially three separate injuries to a, a player that relies on his speed to win. Um, and all of the moves this offseason between drafting Trey Sermon, drafting Elijah Mitchell, and then drafting – or not drafting, but bringing in Wayne Gallman, who was fine for the Giants last year. Um, I definitely think it was one, like their backfield just died last year. But I also think it's, it's you know, probably a cause for concern on most Derek. Definitely. Cool. Well, this was great, man. Uh, action-packed, tons of great info. Um, training camp is, is here, baby. I mean, football is back. We are uh, into the full grind now, man. We will not be out of it until January. But uh, Edwin, uh, one wait thank before you- before we sign off. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to ask Edwin. I'll, I'll put you on the spot here. Uh, last year, we did do that big injury discount article, and I, I don't know if there's a ton of time for it this year, but we did find some some hidden gems. Uh, Tom Brady was one of them. He, he had tennis elbow in his tenth <laughs> game of the season, and like. Yeah. He, everyone missed that. Michael Giardi reported it. Uh, And if you look at the splits before and after that injury, it was really glaring. And, you know, Edelman was hurt and injuries to the receivers as well. And so he was a hidden gem gem from that article series. And I was just wondering if you, if there are any other major potential injury discounts we haven't yet hit on, whether that's like Trey Sermon, because, you know, you don't trust Raheem Mustard to stay healthy or if it's another player coming off an injury, you think people are uh, undervaluing. Great question. I love this question. And I do want to get to that article this year. Um, Will Fuller. Mm. I think there are too many confounders to say the reason he stayed healthy was because of the substance that he tested positive for too many confounders to say that if it doesn't happen this year, it's not going to happen. He played all 13 games the whole time that he was at Notre Dame. I think he's being overlooked. Paris Campbell, was really coming on at the end, had a PCL injury. He's had really bad luck with injuries, groin, um, a common foot fracture that receivers his age get. And then the PCL, he's another dude that I'm really looking at. 
Uh, Mixon, I think, is getting a discount because of the injury itself. And then we already talked about it, Saquon Barkley. I think that the fact that he's slipping to the second round at this point is just absurd. Um, But off the top of my head, those are the dudes that I would would consider. Yeah, Campbell's a really good one. you know, I mean, it's just like, you know, it's <laughs> the problem with the Colts is they have three guys that could right. get like 18% of the targets and none of them are useful. In in best ball specifically, and I know the cop out is always like, well, I like him in best ball, but I like yeah. Chase Edmonds a lot. A lot of stuff that you guys have talked about when it comes to Edmonds, um, JJ Zacharyson talking about Chase Edmonds. I like him from a football perspective. Yeah. Plus, James Conner can't stay on the field. And when he can st- when he is on the field, he is not good. He's just, yeah. he's just burnt. He's toast. Um, so I think that, that Chase Edmonds, especially at his, his cost right now, offers like so much upside because I just don't straight up trust James Conner to stay healthy. And if he is, I just don't think he's going to have much juice uh, left. And I think that this could be a huge year for, for Chase Edmonds. Newly slim thick, if you saw the headline today. <laughs> he said, I've lost weight and I've gained weight. So yeah. Yeah, slim he, thick said, he said he put on like muscle or he, he put on muscle that lost yeah. weight or something. He lost weight, put on muscle, something like that. But I just want to start calling him slim thick because I like that nickname. Yeah. Yeah, I like that too. Zeke looks slim thick right now, man. He's Ooh. lost. He's actually lost weight. He looks really good. He's like Dude. down to like two fifteen. Zeke. Oh, I think Zeke. Scott Zeke is another one. He had COVID. His offensive line was all injured. Uh, he one. had a calf strain from workload issues. Um, then he had, I think, a ham- hamstring issue. Uh, Zeke's another one. I think Zeke's, Zeke's got a ton left in the tank. Yeah, Zeke, man. Um, I've been enjoying the Zeke discount because, like, if he, if you know, normal years, I mean, we were taking Zeke like second, third overall. You know, now we're blessed to have you know Cook, McCaffrey, all those guys back healthy. But I think Zeke is like right there in that conversation, like behind Kamara and uh, and Derrick Henry. But last thing, I promise, I'll shut up after this. Right. The inverse of a discount. Um, I think Dalvin Cook's injury risk is being ignored. I don't think that it should be considered like super scary and dangerous, but he is in my running backs tiers uh, in the red light tier. He's the only top running back in the red light tier. Um, His shoulder dislocations, he's had three of them since high school. He's had two surgeries to repair them. Those don't just go away. In fact, with more exposures, his risk continues to increase. That's something that you should consider. If you're going 10, 10 out of 10 times, if you're going for Dalvin Cook, I highly recommend against that. I think I think if you're going 10 out of 10 times, you should bump that to like 9 out of 10 times. Okay. Yeah, you've been – I remember in your article last year, you were talking about Cook too. And I remember one of the reasons I stayed away from Connor was because your article. So, yeah, everybody should go check out um, Edwin's uh, running back injury tiers. I think he's going to have receiver injury tiers up soon. <laughs> Eventually. Um, yeah. Nah, man, you you got a like a, a legit like uh, day job to, to do. Um, so yeah, it's it's all good. But uh, Edwin, thank you so much for your time, man. This is uh, this has been awesome. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. I like coming on and talking about Scott's Scott's current um, his his trends and you know Tom Brady and Joe Rogan. This is fun. Yeah, <laughs> Scott, we need you to we need you to get working on Rogan, man. Just go down to his warehouse yeah. and and get him on. Don't break your streaks, we'll boys. Soon enough. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys, um, if you want to follow Edwin and, and check out, he always has like super interesting, um, you know, t- uh, Twitter threads and just great intel on injuries. If you want to check out Edwin, follow him on Twitter at FB Injury Doc. Um, and uh, you can uh, see all of his great threads on Michael Thomas. Uh, he put a bunch of great data together. I think he spilled most of it on the pod here today. But, yeah, definitely go check that out. Um, let's get out of here, guys. For Scott, for Edwin, I'm Graham. This has been Two Bars. We'll see you next week. Welcome to Fantasy Points Radio. We bring to you Barfield and Barrett. All of these, all of these.
of these parents, they hella embarrassed. Like, why did they err it with all of these errors? And Bob it and Barry, you cannot compare it. The kings of this era, there should be a tariff on all of this knowledge. I follow regardless and straight to the point like a crow. Popping and coming, it's losing my oxygen takes that they got made me go. Whoa, so what's a swamp rat gotta do? I'm chasing all of this cheese, even if my competition grew. Deuces to the mean, your boy is never regressing. Off season through the season, 365, 247, and it's one for the money, two bars on the show. The boys stay ready, swamp rats, let's go. It's the fantasy points, ain't no raggedy joint. They mad at me scoring points, but then they glad that they join. One for the money, two bars on the show. The boys stay ready, swamp rats, let's go. It's the fantasy points, ain't no raggedy joint. They mad at me scoring points, but then they glad that they join.